Well, hello and welcome to this episode of In the Growth Space. My name is David McGlennon and I'm your host. And I'm really grateful that you've joined me today. You know, our goal with the podcast here is to help our listeners to move forward with their own growth in whatever area of life that they're they're focused on. And some of our listeners are looking to grow their business. Uh, perhaps they're looking to grow their, their business team. Um, some of them are looking to grow their own career or their personal financial life or their spiritual life or their leadership. And we approach growth from a number of different perspectives. And Today, our guest um, is going to help us take a look at business growth. And, and our guest today is a return guest who um, has since written and published a book since she was on the podcast uh, not too long ago. She was also one of the presenters on our CEO and Founders Symposium that we sponsored. And she talked about the subject of her book, which is titled Lifetime to Legacy, a new vision for multi-generational family businesses. Now, her name is Nikkei Anani, and she's an international award-winning entrepreneur. She's a succession specialist and a legacy planning expert for future-focused business families. She has over a decade of family enterprise expertise and recently left that family business in Nigeria. And she's the host of a top 10 podcast called The Connected Generation. She's such a delight to talk with and you're gonna love what she has to share with us today. But before we get into the episode, if you'd just do me a quick favor and scroll to the ratings part of your podcast app and give us a five-star rating and also share a review you know, I'd be really grateful. If you're not subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button. And I'd also love to be in touch with you in a more personal way. You know, every week I write an email to my community to encourage and, and further our collective growth as a community. And in the show notes, you'll see my website and it's www.davidmclennan.com. And when you scroll to the bottom of the site, you're going to see a button that you can join our email community. Just hit that button, join our email community, and I'd love to stay in touch. All right, so let's welcome Nikkei to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Nikkei. I'm so excited to have you back here. You, this is your second time on the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to have this second conversation with you. Same here. Thank you for having me. Our first yeah. conversation was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know that since that time that we, we first talked, you've moved your family from Nigeria over here to the United States. I'd first just like to kind of check in with you. Like, how, what was that like? How, how was that transition? You know, it's wild. I look back, it's been a year and nine days since we moved. Wow. And it's just amazing how much transition has happened, both like for each of us individually and for us personally collectively as a family and then also professionally it's yeah. been amazing the kids are flourishing my husband's flourishing I'm the happiest I've ever been that's um, amazing you know it was a huge it was a huge gamble yeah yeah <laughs> everything you've ever known um yeah. but at the time we were just full of so much optimism and hope and faith that it would work out and I think that mm. mentality really helped us in yeah. through when we did get to the states well, and I know that you were part of a family business, a family office, and 
so and maybe this is kind of a good transition into talking about like the book that you wrote lifetime to legacy what was it like to to leave the family business and and leave the family office and come over here and and you know just make that transition what was that like um so me leaving the family business was really like i found a letting go um, yeah. because i had pioneered our family office back in 2011. i set it up mm. i hired the team i put together all the strategy the processes wow. the procedures I was, there was a lot of key lady risk, right, with me. Um, yeah. And so letting go was, it was my tribe. It was my, mm. my, it was my status. But honestly, I had to kind of um, encourage and inspire myself towards a more compelling vision of myself and my future and energize uh, myself through that. Mm -hmm. um, that I didn't focus on what I was losing, rather I focused on what I was gaining in that season. Oh, sure. So luckily I had put together the governance and we were fairly well structured. So it wasn't dependent on me. So it wasn't decisions oh. wouldn't be made in absence of me. Um, okay. so we had great family governance, corporate governance that cascaded from the family to the, to the company down to the management staff and things. That was very helpful so that yeah. it was very clear what my roles and responsibilities were like on a daily okay. basis what i was doing on a monthly basis on a yearly basis yeah. so it was very easy to say do we need to hire someone else to fill, fill in this gap mm -hmm. or can we move someone else within the family office to to take on um the roles and responsibilities that i was fulfilling and mm -hmm. we we chose the latter because um, obviously family enterprise as you know it's very yeah it's quite a delicate space yeah. Um, to bring in someone external would take time to find talent. Um, yeah. um, family enterprise expertise is very scarce wherever you are in the world. Yeah. Um, and then to find someone that the family would be, you know, comfortable with also would take time. So we took the, we took the, um, um, we made a decision to just move key staff that we built key relationships with over the years to take on my role. And yeah, so I could focus on what's next for me. How am sure. I going to step into what's next? Both from a mindset perspective, from a strategy perspective, from a tactics perspective. And I spent just a lot of my energy just focusing on the book, writing mm. this book that had been on my heart for many years, but I just didn't have the time. Um, yeah. So finally, I had this runway of time um, <laughs> and I poured my energy into that. So yeah, it's been... It's been a, a great journey with ups and downs, nonetheless. But like I said, sure. I think for me, what really helped me was what is that compelling vision of my future? Like yeah. Energized and inspired where I don't focus on what I'm losing. I'm so enamored and captivated by what I'm gaining. Uh, uh, yeah, I love that. And I think that that's a lesson for all of us to really have that vision to, to, to propel us forward and not to look back. I know that um, in, in the book, you talk about a, a lot of times the, the, the older generation likes to look backwards and then the next generation kind of likes to look forwards. And so in a lot of ways, that's really what you're doing. You're, you're moving forward. And, and it sounds too like you really set up your 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 family business to be able to um do what your book says you know go from lifetime to legacy and create a legacy and and so i i guess maybe let's kind of dive into the book for a second because i know that you know, the title is lifetime to legacy and i guess i'm curious then what does that mean really and and how how do family businesses really 
think into this idea of going from just having a business for someone's lifetime to really having a legacy business? Yeah, no, Lifetime's legacy really is just inspired by how can founders build businesses that would outlift them mm. and have sustained impact over generations, but also over space. And it was really inspired by my first-hand experience as a business owner. Like I said, I was the second gen. I'd moved from the UK, integrated into the business, um, and found my feet somewhere. And mm. also, I had consulted several families, primarily, Usually the next gen, I'd start off with one-on-one -on -one coaching of the next gen and then that evolved into um, deeper um, relationships with the family. And my observation was this whole notion of the industry really preaches and sermonizes about you must protect the future of your family business. Protect yeah. the future, protect the future. And I just thought, well, that doesn't really make sense because the future is not um, guaranteed. Because sure. the future is full of so much change and disruption, particularly <clears throat> mm -hmm. in this age that we're in. And these yeah. disruptions can be global pandemics to political crises, <laughs> yeah. or economic changes, regulatory changes, and technological changes. And how can we ensure that as a family, we are being future focused and we are mm. creating an enterprise of the future? And I also observed that like you said, quite often founders are backward looking, historical looking. How did mm -hmm. my past get me to where I am today? But yeah. the next generation typically would be future focused. How can I grow from, how, what can I do today to get me to where I want to be in the future? Mm -hmm. And the next generation would typically have their pulse on things like technology, digitization, yes. innovation, sustainability. And uh, there's this amazing opportunity to create greater collaboration within the family so they could mm. unlock and co-create ideas and solutions, propel them to create enterprises of the future. And that was mm -hmm. the thesis of the book and really through the work that I've done both in my family and also with other families, trying to band families together, creating clarity of what do we want in our family enterprise? Who are we? Yeah. Where are yeah. we heading? How can we get there? Um, how can we communicate better, um, not only on the, what is observable on the intellectual and the technical, but also on the relational and the emotional, which yeah. can be a bit uncomfortable for a lot of us. And yeah. also, um, how can we collaborate and really move from um, a paradigm of individual rulership mm -hmm. to collective leadership? Yeah. Well, and I was curious about you, you, you talked to in the book about communication and, and I think that that and you just you were mentioning about, you know, looking, being able to communicate as a family. I think it, it, there are a lot of dynamics in that because not only are you a family and you have, you know, sometimes it's a father, son or a father, daughter or, um, you know, d different family relationships. So how do we bridge that gap? Like, what are some what are some things that you've seen family family businesses who have done it really well to be able to communicate that? Um, that, and bridge the, I guess, bridge the gap between the generations as opposed to, you know, pointing fingers while well, they're, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think it always starts with self. I think firstly, mm. getting mastery on understanding of yourself. Who are yeah. you? What's your personality type? Um, doing, gaining understanding of what your pain points are, your aspirations are, 
you know, how you like to communicate, where your eye would naturally move towards is really mm -hmm. to understanding why in certain scenarios you're triggered as you get very angry or you yeah. get very upset or you get very frustrated. So it starts with gaining mastery and understanding of yourself as seeing yourself mm -hmm. as a fully holy like emotional being, right? Mm -hmm. We are emotional beings. And then also applying the same towards your family members too. Understanding that David is, I don't know, quite intuitive and he's more futuristic than I am. Mm -hmm. And so he will always lend towards, we can create a new entity in Japan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we can expand to Uzbekistan. And you're like, well, how in the world are we going to do that with, we've got a crisis to manage, an uh, employee yeah. crisis right now. And you, mm -hmm. you might be more here and now, you might be more past and present focused and so on and so forth. That really helps with the communication because then mm -hmm. when you understand what each family member's strengths, weaknesses, focuses, struggle points, aspirations are, you're able mm -hmm. to tailor your communication in a way that's gonna resonate with them. And it yeah. just allows for greater empathy as well. Um, mm -hmm. So you're not judging one another, you're really more clear uh, yeah. Yeah. towards one another, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good, and it's. It, I think it takes a lot of, um, like you said, self awareness and also emotional intelligence to be able to really know, you know, why I'm getting triggered or what I'm getting triggered about, and and then how to overcome that, and and really just be able to have the conversation. So, yeah, that's really good. You, you know, one of the things that I was curious about too, and I, I know you addressed this a little bit in your book, but. Um, you know, why is it so hard for founders to, you know, let go of their business and, 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 and hand it off to the next generation? Because, I mean, the reality is they're going to exit the business one way or the other, right? I mean, they could, they could, they could die there or, or they could actually hand it off and move on to, you know, the next season of their life. So why is it so hard? What, what's, what's the you know, the force that just kind of makes it so hard. Yeah, I think similar to the experience I went through, I, I have newfound empathy and it's interesting sure. I was writing that book um, during the season of me leaving the family enterprise. In yeah. short, it's uncertainty over the future. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. So Suzanne David, who is a leading um, psychologist, she has this term called the twixt, which is the anxiety of in-betweenness. The challenge for founders is they know they have to move on to something new, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of uncertainty over how that will pan out. And so mm -hmm. when you're dealing with uncertainty, you'd rather hold on to the tried and tested, what mm -hmm. you know, rather than the novel and the new, the risky, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Especially when the tried and tested is something that you sacrificed so much for. It's mm -hmm. like that baby that you stayed up all night with when it was teething and refused to sleep and had only yeah. 30 minutes of sleep. And you were rocking that baby and you were both <laughs> singing all yeah. sorts of lullabies all through the night. And no one gets that baby like you do. Yeah. Um, so you're letting go of your baby that you've carefully nurtured. You're letting mm -hmm. go of your tribe. Quite often mm -hmm. founders are um, workaholics or passionate workers. <laughs> Yes, yes. May not, have, <laughs> may not have many passions outside of work, may not have mm -hmm. many close relationships outside of work. Everything is kind of really related to the business somehow, like associates mm -hmm. that they work with or boards they sit on or 
So the everyone they know is associated with this world of work and yeah. their status and identities very wrapped up in this. So yeah. it makes it very difficult um, to let go of. And unlike myself, I'm young, I just turned 35. Um, a lot of founders are, you know, in their 60s or 70s. And it really, retirement is a signpost subconsciously for their mortality. Sure. It's like yeah. that life stage that gets closer to the demise. And it's not mm-hmm. something that they're really comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. Society, on the other hand, will celebrate you. Oh, great, David, you retired yeah. for 40 years building yeah. this business. And his, he's contributed A, B, C, D. And David's just like, that's crazy. Like, what's next? What's I'm next? getting yeah. closer to the end of my life. And just dealing with all these fears and anxieties that makes it so difficult for founders to let go. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And I, I, I hadn't really thought about it in that regard, as far as, you know, a signpost of kind of the, the pending mortality. And, and that's a really good way to think about it, I guess. And especially if you don't have um, any outside hobbies or outside interests that will take you into another season of your life and kind of moving from one season to another season rather than just like, okay, that's it. That's the end. And now I'm just going to sit around and, you know, play golf all day or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's really interesting. Well, take it from the other, other spectrum then. So what, what's the difficulty that, that the next gen um, has, you know, what, what, in, in a family business, what's their what's their challenge that they have, you know, in this whole family business dynamic? Um, so a consequence of an older gen struggling to let go is that the next gen will struggle to grab on. Uh, um, yeah. Right. So they may feel um, like what's what I'm looking for stifled. They may feel. Mm. They don't really have much autonomy. They don't really have sure. much agency. They don't really have much of a voice. And the next generation, millennials and Gen Zs, are, are pretty unique in that they really don't care, by and large, about income status. They really care about contribution, connection, and belonging. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to um, the next generation really not being engaged in the family enterprise, whether they're working in the business or not, right? Yeah. Another issue is quite often society projects onto the next generation, you know, a life of ease, a life of entitlement. But in yeah. reality, they're grappling with the shadow of wealth, mm-hmm. the shadow of the success of the founder. Am I good enough? Do I compare mm-hmm. to mom and dad who built this massive business? Will I ever be able to do something that compares? Um, yeah. Will I be able to steward this into the future? There's a lot of responsibility, especially when I don't really even understand how this whole thing works because it's <laughs> all very much led by mom and dad doing this on a very intuitive basis rather sure. than from a more institutional kind of orderly business. And Mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety over the future. We'll be Mm -hmm. able to keep up our lifestyle when the inevitable happens. Because do we have the expertise and capabilities to take this business into the future? Um, And then Mm -hmm. a lot of that also leads to issues around identity. Um, Mm -hmm. Who am I? Um, What's my meaning? 
what's my fit in the enterprise or in the world? Am I, um, do I feel a sense of obligation yeah. that I'm obliged to work in the enterprise to keep mom and dad happy? Is that mm-hmm. really what I can sense on my inside is my best fit in the world? Mm-hmm. How do I navigate this kind of responsibility towards the family legacy, but also honoring my truth and finding my space in the world and contributing mm-hmm. to the world? And it's so it's a very, um, it can be very challenging for next gen. Since I said I understand because I'm a next gen and I, yeah. I went through a lot of the inner work to pull through and mm-hmm. reframe and gain clarity over who am I? What do I want in life? Um, but I think it's it's definitely what I always recommend for next gens is either find a trusted advisor that can serve as a coach, mm-hmm. my community of other yeah. next gens, navigating similar questions. And you find so much solace and strength in validating that, oh, hold up, I'm not yeah. alone. I may yeah. have been lonely all this while, but I'm mm-hmm. not alone. Other people are dealing and grappling with such questions. Others have dealt with and grappled with such questions and are thriving. Now, um, how can I um, help myself, whether one-on-one with a trusted advisor or in community with other next gens? Yeah. Well, and I know that you said that you did some of this for you, 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 you did the work, the inner work, but then you actually transitioned your, your family business and created a lot of, um, you know, processes and systems and, you know, structure. And, and it sounds too, like that's fairly typical with a family. You've got, you know, mom and dad who are pretty intuitive, maybe not so structured. And then you come along and you kind of put together the structure. How, how did you personally navigate that? Were there some difficult conversations? I mean, how, how did, how did that all transpire? I'm kind of curious about that. No, great observation. Um, so I had moved from Deloitte in London to yeah. family business in Nigeria, like chalk and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my first day, you've got a buddy or a mentor, a HR this, a HR that. I had my training calendar for like the next 18 months. Like I had yeah. to clarity. Sure. And then in the family enterprise, there was no HR, there was no <laughs> finance, there was no, I had to set a lot of these things up. So mm. I think my experience from Deloitte was helpful because I had a vision of what could be. Yeah. Um, and so that was inspiring. But where I was getting stuck is how will I get this to work? Not in terms of, what do I need to do from a technical perspective or from a um, competence or know-how perspective, but really Mm -hmm. how will I influence dad to see that a new way of being is a better outcome for the business and for him. Uh, So initially there was a lot of resistance, like um, dad, we need, we need technology because we have 3000 members of staff and no one can vouch or really, really know whether David is a true employee or not, because he's halfway yeah. across the country in a different state, in a different town. Um, yeah. Here in HQ, we're just approving his salary, but he may have left the business or may never have been part of the business. Yeah. Dad, we need technology. And I remember um, initially I was a preacher, and I talk about this in the book, the distinction between being a preacher and being a teacher. Uh, 
So yeah. a preacher will stand there on a Sunday morning and just sermonize at you about how you're going to hell because you sin, you sin, you yeah. sin. <laughs> you know, like we're going to hell and like, okay, yeah. that's really inspiring. That's how I can change my life. It just scares yeah. me to death. And right, you seem right. like you don't understand what it's like to be a human. Not all of us are divine. Right, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Is able to know that, okay, I'm dealing with people that are not necessarily as mature in the faith. And mm-hmm. I need to modify my lesson to make it age appropriate or maturity appropriate and uh, yeah. speak to where they're at. Mm-hmm. So um, quite often when we have ideas, we have new ideas. We need to digitize. <laughs> we need a new investment. We need to expand into Japan. We need to do this. We are, pre- we are experts of our ideas because we've been stewing on this for <laughs> yes. a while. You might not realize like subconsciously like what it takes for you to get to a point where you have your aha we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And aha doesn't come overnight. And aha has been there for a while. Yeah, you stewed but on it. You stewed on it. Yeah. But the thing is, as humans, when we get that aha, we want to implement it yesterday. <laughs> we want to mm-hmm. run with it. And we want to see the results now. Yeah. And so we may start to preach at people. We need to digitize. We need to expand into Japan. We need to do this. We need uh. to do that. But they're just like, what in the world are you on about, like, preacher? Like, just, yeah. wow. I check out. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. And so we need to amend the message to make it age and maturity appropriate mm-hmm. and speak to where they're at. Mm-hmm. Where they're at may just be, preacher, we just need to get through this year. We've had a year where <laughs> revenues went down by 30%, meaning cash in the bank. That's our mm-hmm. priority. A preacher, we have a huge issue with employee productivity. We need mm. to enhance employee productivity. Or preacher, we need to up our margins. And if that's where they're at, how can we ensure that as an expert of our ideas, we really highlight and communicating the benefits of what you're mm. proposing yeah. to meet them where they're at? And that's has been that was so when I had my aha my second aha (laughs) like okay i think i've been preaching at this man and he was actually very um noble and he would just "Mm -hmm, yeah yeah he never (laughs) shut me down but i just noticed that he'd like he'd be like my dad would be like send me an email on it just send me a memo and then i go like yeah memo like you need to do this you need to do that and then i noticed that like hold up sir i sent you this memo dad like where are we how far and he'd make up some excuse and just dance around the issue. But mm. then when I started to speak to his key issues, his key mm. focuses, uh-huh. then it's like, yeah, of course, yeah. let's do this. It, he then yeah. took ownership of it. Yeah, mm. of course. Let's bring on board technology. Let's implement this biometric time and attendance system because yeah. we have, we're bleeding through having ghost workers in the system. Let's uh-huh. go ahead and do that. Yeah. So it really seems like you had to kind of dig in and find out where, what was his motivation? What was his focus? And then speak to how your idea was able to solve that, right? Exactly. It's marketing. Yeah. 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 I was talking to a friend, she was like, aren't we all marketers? And I was like, actually, yeah, we are all marketers. Mm -hmm. But to be a good marketer, you need to understand each stakeholder it really takes patience. Um, so mm-hmm. that's that. Those are his priorities. Now, switching on the other side to the employees and trying to implement <laughs> this idea, 
they have a whole set of other priorities, right? right they may sure. not care about revenue at the end of the year if their compensation is not tied to it in some shape or yeah. form, right? They care about financial security. They care about status. They care about being promoted. They care uh-huh. about, you know, um, feeling like they belong. So again, um, it really calls for understanding that each stakeholder has different perspectives preferences, priorities, and each individual has different personalities. Mm-hmm. And then tweaking your ideas to speak to these P's. But it does require um, kind of careful observation of each person. So you won't implement with speed, like I was speaking to. You have this idea, like, I want to go yeah. now. Yeah. You will have to learn the art and <laughs> virtue of patience, which I'm still working on. (laughs) I think, aren't we all right? (laughs) I just have ideas. I wake up in the night, I write them down. And then I'm, I, when I go back to sleep, I wake up again, like I need to do this now. Especially as an entrepreneur, I have to, everything has a process and has its time. Um, Mm -hmm. Engaging in the process has better outcomes for the collective team. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So taking the time to understand each stakeholder, what they want, and then yeah. articulating your ideas to speak to their pain points will be mm-hmm. a better outcome for everybody. Yeah, and I think what I'm hearing too is really an element of this whole thing is, is communication, being able to listen generously to the, you know, the founding you know, generation, to be able to understand where their where their focus is, where their strategy is, what's what's important to them. So if I'm the next gen, you know, uh, if I'm a next gen leader and I'm trying to influence the founder, the founding members, then I need to be able to know how my idea impacts them. And so I have to listen, I have to communicate more succinctly to that felt need. And so that's going to help move us forward. That's, yeah, that's a really, I, I think that's probably true, not only just with family businesses, but just all businesses, right? You know? With people, even yeah. parenting. But I think a lot of what may get in the way um, mm-hmm. with a, a next gen, being able to listen to a founder, is the family mm-hmm. dynamics or disappointments, oh, yeah. hurts. And so there has to be a lot of inner work to heal yeah disappointments nuts or a reframing um telling yourself a a different story so Mm -hmm. that you are able to um really function as a collaborative team member because quite often Mm -hmm. what hinders that collaboration between daughter and dad or son and dad or you know Mm -hmm. mom and is he said this to me when i was four he or well, she neglected me for, you know, and spent all her time in the business or she prefers this sibling, you know, and mm-hmm. we have to deal through those. Yeah, right, um, right. Work through those. And so quite often I serve as, uh, I'm not a licensed therapist, but really I hold space for my clients to really unpack the narratives um, and the kind of underlying dynamics between themselves and their family members and start to help them reframe yeah or at least work towards healing those yeah well and i would think that it really has you almost have to have a third party <clears throat> to be able to unpack those family dynamics really because i don't I, I mean i don't know if you can do it by yourself i mean it would take a, a, a really healthy 
people to, to be able to do that. I, I think it takes a third party to be able to ask the good questions and, you know, and, and see the, the, the body language and saying, you know, Hey, well, I see that you're a little tense about this, you know, tell me more about that. And, and having that third party observation, I think would probably be really important. For sure. For sure. I mean, I've, I have coaches, I have mentors, I have, you know, yeah. I, I tell my clients all the time, like, there's no level of success where you, you've outgrown a third-party um, advisor, yeah. third-party mentor, third-party coach, third-party guide. Like, mm-hmm. we all are on this journey of endless mastery. And so don't feel like you are less than because you have to get third-party into the room. Actually, yeah. the most successful of leaders have a whole tribe yeah. of people that are supporting them in navigating their, their leadership yeah. through so yeah, that third eye, um, that third perspective is so important. They can see things you can't see because you're just too mm-hmm. knee deep in, in um, to gain kind of wider perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm I'm curious. In, in your book, you you talk about something that I'd I'd love to be able to just unpack a little bit about um, African businesses and and because if I'm remembering the statistic right like only 2% of African businesses move past the first generation. Yeah. And I guess, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to have you talk a little bit about like why that is and, and what do we, like, what do we, you know, here in America and maybe even across the globe learn about that or learn from that? Mm. No, so the 2% statistic um, really speaks to the, the maturity of a family enterprise ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, largely historically there's been very little awareness of the fact that family businesses are very different from your non, non-family businesses they're different sure. from corporates it's not mm-hmm. just about strategy and systems and innovation here it's just about like we've been talking about it's about the soft stuff soft, about family yeah. dynamics it's about emotional intelligence it's about communication collaboration mm-hmm. it's about understanding a higher purpose both for mm-hmm. collective family, the enterprise, and for the individuals. And so yeah. Africa's kind of playing catch up in that regard, in that mm. we only have one university on the entire continent of 1.4 billion people that has wow. a family business center. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. And the advisory space as well. Um, I mean, I know a handful of us that are doing the work, but it's not sufficient to sure. serve the families, especially um, if a lot of them are SMEs and can't afford to have you one-on-one, right, for mm-hmm. instance. And so a lot of it really is around the ed- education and the awareness. Mm-hmm. Naturally, mm-hmm. there's cultural nuances in Africa. We also sure. have elder dominance where as a young yeah. person, you defer to the older person. Whatever they say is golden. That's it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and... Um, we also have high levels of communality, of communality and kinship, which uh, really speaks to, um, we have social philosophies like Ubuntu, where we have yeah. a collective humanity. I am because you are. So mm-hmm. Africans have been practicing philanthropy for the longest of time. It's embedded in our, our social um, like DNA. And even in the businesses you will see, yeah. it may look different from what you will see in the West, um, mm-hmm. But there's very much a consciousness of the wider stakeholder system and how can we ensure that we're bringing up those that are at risk of being left behind. 
Um, But really the 2% is due to, in my opinion, lack of awareness, lack of education, but through the work uh, myself and a few others are doing, we're seeking to change that narrative, Mm -hmm. seeking to build up the advisor um, kind of um, landscape as well. Um, bringing mm. on board courses to develop like folks that already work with family businesses, like say attorneys, estate planners, human resources consultants, um, accountants, train them up mm. on family dynamics, succession, so that they can start to take the charge and assisting families with succession planning, with family governance, yeah. and also family dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 I guess maybe the last question I I have for you then: How are you um, impacting, you know, the family businesses? I guess not only there, but maybe even here too, because I know you're here in the U.S. now. And so, you know, how are you know how are you impacting those businesses? And and what's your what's your mission? Mm. My mission is to help as many families as possible move from lifetime to legacy. It's something that's just, I'm just deeply passionate about. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm just in love with this space. Um, And I do that really through working one-on-one with NextGen, through coaching on different elements, whether it's integrating into the family enterprise. They've walked Mm -hmm. in and they're trying to find their their feet and their fit. Haha, yeah. that rhymes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> trying to make their mark on the enterprise in some shape or form, or they're trying to leave with grace <laughs> and leave yeah, sure. and find what's next for them. But in a way that still honors the family and still contributes to the family's legacy. Mm-hmm. I also work with siblings teams. I'm very passionate about, oh, yeah. you know, Siblings teams formation and not waiting necessarily till we have to form as partners, but starting to do the work now because mm-hmm. team formation, as you know, it takes a long time to sure. band together, especially when we have to. So we don't get to choose who's part of the team. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we have to come together as siblings yeah. and work together, even though Victoria is very woo woo. And Samuel, on the other hand, is very concrete. We have to find a way, or we have sibling rivalry. We have to find a way to come together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole nother thing, I'm sure, that just, I mean, that's a whole subject in and of itself, This the sibling teams and, yeah, navigating those dynamics, the rivalries, the, yeah, all of the the differences in personality and so forth. And, um, yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Well, you know, I, I think this... I, I think this is a, a really important topic um, because there are so many founders and family businesses, but not just family businesses, but businesses that were created by a founder and now they're getting ready to to hand off to the next generation. And there's so many things that they're not probably ready for or they haven't thought about. And so I think the work that you're doing, Nikkei, is is so important because there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, the uh, you know baby boomers is a big generation, and and not only have they started to 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 do this transition, but it's going to be going on for a little while now. And 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 so I think the the work that you do and this book in particular will really help them to think think differently. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So let me let, one one last thing. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Let's say they're a family business listening, they're a family business owner, or a founder. They think, hey, I, I could really, you know, use uh, some help and and really want to get in touch with you. How do they get in touch with you? 
please email me na at nikeanani.com. That's N-I-K-E-A-N-A-N-I.com. Or you can text me um, 984-900-9466. That's the best way to get hold of me and I'll be in touch. Fantastic. I'll make sure that we put all of those things in the show notes as well. Nikkei, thank you again for being here. Um, I, I think that you just have some amazing insights and I, I think it's, it's really cool to see the passion that you have to help um, family businesses really transition and, and create that legacy and talk about the things that don't ordinarily get talked about. So I'm really, really excited about this book and, and really the work that you're doing. So uh, well done. Well done. Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> me on to amplify my work. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. So, so, so my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, there were a lot of great learning points in this conversation with Nick A, especially if you're a family business or you're a founder and you're thinking into your transition and, and creating a business with a, a legacy that goes beyond just your lifetime. I really loved what Nikkei shared about what it means to have a legacy business. And it really involved being future focused and then being willing to um, move from being, a, you know, or having a paradigm of individual rulership to collective leadership. And I think that that's a big transition for a lot of uh, leaders of a of the, I'm going to say the older generation, the, the, the baby boomers, because they grew up in a time when command and control was just the way business was run. And I know there are a lot of other dynamics around cultural differences as well. And Nikkei comes from Africa, where uh, the, the male leadership is um, really elevated. And so moving from that, that paradigm of, of how we see leadership to being more collective and collaborative, I think that's a, a, a real uh, dynamic in terms of making sure that if I'm a founder, I need to learn how to do that. I need to navigate that. And it does take some help. It does take some, uh, you know, coaching and consulting like uh, someone like Nikkei. Um, and, 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 you know, handing off to that next generation does take letting go. Um, but not only that, it, it takes a creation of a new identity. And, and really, there's a lot of leaders and a lot of business founders who don't know what's next. And, and that not knowing what's next is, is a really important part of sometimes holding people back. So I just want to encourage you that if you're in that era and if you're looking at, at handing off to the next generation, make sure that you um, explore who you want to be before it's time to hand off. And then quite frankly, on the other side of the spectrum, the next generation has a hard time with taking over, um, as, as Nikkei shared, because they're still trying to figure out their meaning and identity within the family business and, and, and just gaining clarity um, around who they are and their role uh, and, and learning to speak uh, to the older generation. And I think learning to speak to the motivation of that senior leader who needs to hand off was something that was really important that Nikkei shared. And I thought that was a really important point. The other part that she shared, and I, I don't want to skip over this, but if you're a next generation uh, leader and you're in a family business, 
she shared about how she did a lot of inner work and, and that, that healing and, and just letting go and, and learning to tell yourself a different story about whatever the situation is in your world and in your life and in your history. Um, but, but the other component really is, is, is taking time to understand uh, each of the stakeholders as you uh, learn to take over from that next generation. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and got a lot from it. Uh, go check out Nikkei's book called Lifetime to Legacy. And, and coming up in the next couple of episodes, uh, we're going to have some conversations um, with uh, people who were part of uh, our Emerging Leader Inner Circle and, and who are part of our Advancing Leader Inner Circle uh, groups. And, and, and I, I just wanted to have these conversations with a couple of those leaders because it's really cool to, to watch and listen to people who have gone through their own growth journey of leadership and, and really who are advancing in their own leadership journey. So uh, make sure that you hit subscribe. Uh, you don't want to miss these next episodes, I know for sure. Um, finally, make sure that you keep looking forward, keep growing, and until next time, be well. 